Today's reading is Isaiah 64, verses 1 to 9. It can be found on your screen. This is God's word. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down, that the mountains would tremble before you, as when fire sets twigs ablaze and causes water to boil. Come down to make your name known to your enemies and cause the nations to quake before you. <clears throat> For when you did awesome things that we did not expect, you came down and the mountains trembled before you. Since ancient times, no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God besides you, who acts on behalf of those who wait for him. You come to the help of those who gladly do right and remember your ways, who remember your ways. But when we continued to sin against them, you were angry. How then can we be saved? All of us have become like one who is unclean and all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We all shrivel up like a leaf and like the wind, our sins sweep us away. No one calls on your name or strives to lay hold of you for you have hidden your face from us and have given us over to our sins. Yet you, Lord, are our father. We are the clay, you are the potter. We are all the work of your hand. Do not be angry beyond measure, Lord. Do not remember our sins forever. Oh, look on us, we pray, for we are all your people. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? Our heavenly God, as we listen for your voice in the scripture, we pray that you would meet us in this time as we bring to this gathering the various unique contours of our individual and family lives. Maybe there's conflict in our life right now. Maybe there's sickness. Maybe there's struggle of un, undescribable proportions, or maybe there's great comfort. Uh, maybe we, are, we found it very easy to live in the mode of thanksgiving this week, or maybe we found it very difficult to give thanks. And from all these different places, the truth is we're all in the same boat. What we have in common is that we're more of a mess than we care to admit. And each of us would prefer to pave over, cover over, and wear a mask and put on our best outward coverings rather than be exposed for what we really are, for the flawed existence that we maintain. And so this story that we enter into today, the beginning of the Christian calendar, the story of salvation and rescue from you through your son Jesus. That story tells us something so desperately needed that even though we're a mess, that through Christ we are more loved and accepted than we ever imagined. As we begin another year of this story, another journey on the path of redemption and your eventual return in this broken world, as we begin today, we pray that you would help us to know how we do not climb the mountain to get to the top through our religious efforts, but you have come down and you have entered into the imperfection of this world. You have come to us because we couldn't get to you and you have begun the, the, the process and the plan and the story of putting back together what you first made. Would you continue that work in each of our hearts today and help us to hear your voice now through this text? In Jesus' name, amen. Now, 
this is a passage. It's a wonderful passage. It almost I, I might even slip up while I'm preaching on it today and, and refer to it as a psalm because it very much feels like a psalm to me. It feels like a way, the way the psalms are when they kind of teach us how to pray. Um, but it's a beautiful uh, text and it, um, it basically gives us what we need. It gives us what we need to walk the Advent journey with the gospel. And what it does is it does this by giving us three confidences, if that's even a word. I don't know, plural of confidence, but I'm just going with it. Just push through. Confidences, the three confidences. So the first confidence and the second confidence that this tells us to walk with are imperfect and they're only the groundwork and they are going to lead us into all kinds of trouble if we don't have the third. But we're going to, we're going to deal with them anyway as this um, section of scripture tells us. The first confidence is that my imperfection is a problem. My imperfection is a problem. And this starts to come out in verse 5 and 6. Um, or no, actually, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say 6. All of us have become like one who is unclean. All our righteous acts are like filthy rags. And then this, this, this really haunting phrase, like the wind, our sins sweep us away. So, are you confident that your imperfection is a problem? I actually think, actually think this is pretty universal. Um, we already have within us a sort of haunting voice that, this, that, that our mistakes, that our imperfections is, is eventually going to sweep us away, that it leads towards trouble, that it is a problem. But nonetheless, because this is so terrifying and horrifying and we don't know what to do with it, we hide. We, we pave over our imperfection. We run from it. We try to out-achieve it or outrun it or overachieve it. And if we have particular people or places in our life that tend to expose our imperfection, often we run from those places or we shut out those people. We say that person, we might even say, that person is toxic. I need them, you know, because they, essentially they expose my toxicity. Well, we do all of these things and all of these games and we play all of them because whether you have just a vague hunch of your imperfection or whether you see the wreckage you know, you see the collateral damage from an addiction or from your behavior that's just there for everyone to see and you're living, you're just staring at it. The confidence that my imperfection is a problem. Not a very controversial point. Our imperfections cause problems. But the second confidence is that if there is a God, he rewards perfect people. If there is a God, he rewards perfect people. Now, this is true, but it's imperfect. It's not the final word, but it's true that if there is a God, he rewards perfect people. Now, for one person, this might be why they avoid church altogether. They don't, they don't you know, this, this is a reason to stay away from God and stay away from church because, you know, I don't feel perfect, so I don't want to be around a place that seems to be making me feel bad all the time and feel like I'm not going to get the reward. For others, this might be a reason why you get onto the religious treadmill. Why you plunge yourself into your religious duty to the point of exhaustion. 
because if there is a God, he rewards perfect people, right? Verses 4 and 5 talk about this. That um, no eye has seen any God beside you who acts on behalf of those who wait for him. You come to the help of who? Of imperfect people? No, it says you come to the help of those who gladly do right. Now, you know that if you've heard very many of my sermons, I don't camp out here for very long. And so you're probably wondering what's, what's going on with this sermon. But if you stop here, if you stop with the first confidence that my imperfection is a problem and the second confidence that God rewards perfect people, then it's going to end up, in the end, Jesus is going to make no sense to you. If this is all you have, you're going to be really, really stuck in terms of your choices. Philip Yancey wrote this in the book, uh, What's So Amazing About Grace. He says, having spent time around sinners and also around purported saints, I have a hunch why Jesus spent so much time with the former group. I think he preferred their company because the sinners were honest about themselves and had no pretense. Jesus could deal with them. In contrast, the saints put on airs, judged him, and sought to catch him in a moral trap. In the end, it was the saints, not the sinners, who arrested Jesus. It's interesting to think about that. If you stop with just the confidence that your imperfection is a problem and that God rewards perfect people, you won't understand Jesus. But also you'll be left with really maybe one of two choices, to embrace the full pursuit of moralism or to run like never before, run away from church and all of the church people that you've ever met. And so we move on to the third confidence that really enables you to live the gospel during Advent. The third confidence is this, that God can even reward, that somehow God has made a way to even reward imperfect people. That God has made some way to reward imperfect people. Now, with this final confidence, we have something unique. Now, with this confidence, we have something that's confusing. Now we have something that has a sort of explosive transformational impact. Now we have the gospel. And it comes out in verses 8 and 9 of Isaiah 64. Yet you, Lord, are our Father. We are the clay and you are the potter. We are the work of your hand. Do not be angry beyond measure, Lord. Do not remember our sins forever, for we are your people. The third confidence is that God can even reward imperfect people. In this prayer, the resolution comes, the final confidence comes in praying this prayer for, by the supplicant in this part of scripture. The confidence comes not in the prayer, the supplicant themselves, but it comes in God, in who God is, the character of God. I would say this, friends, now is a great time to give up, to give up on 
the practice of making your case to God with your religious scorecard. Now's a great time to give up on, you know, Santa Claus faith. Did I do enough? Was I a good little boy? Was I a good little girl? It's a great time to add to your toolbox the gift and the skill and the confidence of this text. Add to your toolbox appealing to God's character. Appealing to God's character. God, you are the artist who made me. You are the potter. I am the clay. I don't know if you, have you ever tried to throw away a junky old piece of artwork that you, you know, you put time into? You know, Bobby, maybe it was an old recording, you know, or a song or something from when you were a child, or maybe it's, you know, like we, we, we had this crosstown move we did at the beginning of this year, and I was surprised we had to deal with the attic and all the stuff we had left up there. Just the difficulty of, of, of tossing what really needed to be tossed, this little piece of artwork from my childhood. There's no reason to keep this. And yet I looked at it and it felt so personal. I made this. I mean, I threw them away eventually, but that moment was surprisingly difficult. If it's that difficult for you and me to toss junky old artwork that really has no place, how much more is God never going to toss out you and me? His artwork. That's the story of Advent. That's the story of all of Christian scripture is that God, God's refusal to toss out, to start over from scratch, but to begin the craziest thing ever of this, Im, this, this kind of imperfect little by little progressive redemption plan where God's putting things back together. An artist unable to toss out his artwork now, many have imagined their relationship with God in terms of a judge. Many have imagined that, you know, maybe they sit, that their relationship with God is sitting before a judge and their sins are, is like the evidence laid out by the prosecution before this judge. And if you've ever been tempted to enter into that picture, and I don't necessarily recommend that you do, but if you do, at least finish out the picture properly. And and imagine in that picture that the judge turns out to actually be the artist and the one on stand, you, turned out to be the handmade artwork of that artist. The amazing switch of the gospel that the judge ends up being the forgiver. That Jesus, the one who possesses this unbelievable plan of a forgiveness route, a route to forgiveness for all of these broken people that that Jesus is brought to the position of the judge. And that's the Christian's confidence. That's how you can come to Jesus or to God in prayer this Advent. Confidence. And come to that God as the artist who made you and would love nothing more than to remake and refresh and rebuild what he began with in the first place. Let's go to this God, this artist, in prayer. Heavenly God, may you join us in Advent and help it to be a meaningful time of preparation as we realize how incredibly broken and flawed um, and toxic, really, this world has become, this work of beautiful art. 
we still wake up and we can see the beauty and yet the headlines and the other things we see, the events of our world remind us of unfinished business. We lean on you and on the confidence of this passage that you are the artist coming to reclaim, coming to rebuild, coming again someday to make all things new. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.